I mean, you were very gentle. You were very <laughs> gentle. <laughs> guidance and support. It was lovely. It was lo- ten, 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> I need to figure out some way how to include that in the final edit. Oh my god. <laughs> my, my, my mother and my aunt. <laughs> Your mother, my mother, anyway. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to be a professional young woman. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. for the first episode of season four and today I am so so excited to be talking with Kemi Adegoye. I am so 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 happy to be talking with her. Y'all may remember Kemi she was like on the first season of this little baby podcast back in the day um, and now she's back because one she's fantastic and two because by the time this episode comes out um she will have released her debut ep yo i'm i'm hyped so like kemi just like introduce yourself (laughs) oh my god first of all (laughs) great intro um second of all cannot believe my first episode was season one and now it's season four what I try. <laughs> what? Yo, wait, can we, like, give you a quick shout-out? That's amazing. That's incredible. No, for real. Like, I know, um, I've never produced a podcast, but, like, you know, I've done inter- interviews and, and posts like that, and it takes a lot of work to produce content. It's so much work finding people, mm-hmm. preparing interview, editing the interview, especially when you're dealing with podcasts, you're dealing with audio and in you know, sometimes visuals and the promotional materials, putting it out there, promoting it. Like, that is so much work to do, like, <laughs> season four. So proud of you. Be oh, honored. You. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just, like, take a moment to gush about you. I hope that's cool. I haven't oh, seen you in forever. So. I, well, you know, we're in the middle of a Panasonic, so. <laughs> I'm every time it's a new one. <laughs> Oh, Panasonic, I'm so done with you. Uh, this is so, literally, um, like, anyway. the second season I've recorded in a pandemic. Like, the season three was that's, at the start. <laughs> season four. That's wild. No, it's like all those people who last year, um, everyone, like, who had spring birthdays had their birthdays, like, I won't say ruined, but transformed. And all the people with birthdays later in the year were like, ha, 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 I'm going to have a party. And then by the end of it, it's just like, all y'all have had pandemic birthdays now. Congrats. Like, and we're about to do it again. We are about to do it again. Exactly. Literally again, which is awesome. But anyway, um, back to you asked me to introduce myself <laughs> 10 hours later. Um, so, yeah. My name is Kemi, and I am a performing artist. I am a practicing attorney. I am a entrepreneur and entrepreneur. Um, and yeah, I am a multi-hyphenate professional woman. I think it's just the <laughs> safest path to person. Because <laughs> you really do do all the things. You have like your own production company. You have your own artist collective company you're like the front woman for a band and now you're like you know what girl i'm gonna add on that e that like ep and just be like a whole singer out here on these streets whole singer songwriter 
So, I mean, dude, like I'm, I'm, I'm hype. I'm really, really hyped for you. I think this like, cause I remember, you know, this was something that you were talking about when we had first, like first ever met even, um, this was something that yes. you were talking about. So, oh, for those of you that don't know, but I, I should link it in the show notes. Um, our first, uh, the first episode that we ever recorded together, but also, um, we met <laughs> at a podcast taping. <laughs> we did like the best pod. I mean, the only podcast taping I've been to, but the best one. Yes. That was an amazing night. Yes. That was phenomenal. We met at Jesus and Jalof, um, with Yvonne Orji and Lovey Ajayi. If you haven't checked out that podcast, you really need to. Um, it's so funny, but also drops gems, but Kemi was sitting behind me and then she got <laughs> called on stage to sing the Nigerian national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> I like, honestly, I still can't believe there were over 800 people there and, um, I had done a cover of the Nigerian national anthem that was going to be released, I think that weekend. And so, or like a week later, and so I met both Lovey and Yvonne at the meet and greet beforehand, and I mentioned that I did that, and they're like, oh yeah, we might bring you on stage. And so, like, I made sure, like, me and my friend made sure to be as close to the front <laughs> as possible so that remember. And mm-hmm. then they asked for questions. My friend, like, physically shoved me towards <laughs> the front, and then they stopped. They're like, oh yeah, you were going to sing the anthem, go. And I was like, uh, all right. Like, like, <laughs> Listen, stay ready so you don't have to get ready, okay? <laughs> Yo, literally, literally, I warmed up in the bathroom before, because it's like, what I'm not about is let my voice crack in front of over 800 people and Yvonne Orgy and Lovia Jack. Like, that's the, what's not happened, so. <laughs> it was, it was a time, and then you were like, yeah, I do, like, this artist thing, and then you were sitting right behind me, and I was like, oh, bet, I just started a podcast. <laughs> I'd love to have you <laughs> And then here we are. Um, I know. So I'm, I mean, like, tell me, you know, tell me about this. Tell me about the EP. Tell me about the inspiration behind it. I want to hear it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so funny to hear you talk about how I've been talking about this since we've known each other, which was like, what, 2018? Yeah. 2017? Yeah. Like, 2018, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I've, I've been talking about doing this my whole life. Like I've dreamed of being a songwriter, um, my whole existence. My parents gave me like a karaoke machine when I was a kid and there was a little microphone you could like record, uh, you know, music on cassettes. And so I was just sitting there just riffing and making stuff up. It it wasn't good, but I was making it up (laughs) in my bedroom and enjoying myself. And, um, yeah, it's just, I, I say it over and over again whenever people ask, but this just feels like the longest time coming. The project itself has been in active development for seven years. Um, it's seven years, a little over seven years since I wrote the very first song, The Man Who Sold the Moon, which I already released as a single last uh, Valentine's Day of 2020. And now this EP, which is going to be a five-song EP, is coming out in less than two days, which... Oh my God. I, I can't believe it. Like I genuinely am in disbelief because it's just been so long of being in active development for the project. And then also just dreaming my, literally my entire life of having original music out in the world. But um, it's called For the Record EP, five song EP, all literally all original music from beginning to end, the melodies, the lyrics, um, the inspiration, the arrangements, everything is original. I got to work with some incredible musicians and creatives. Like, honestly, if you put the whole production team together from beginning to end, it's about, like, 15 people, if not more. Like, it's been a really big production. A full band of, like, 10 people, background singers, um, multiple horns. It's a soul record, so it's soul music, which is the music I grew up listening to. Think, like, Motown and Tina Turner and Aretha Franklin, but... It also has elements of jazz and musical theater and blues and a little bit of rock and gospel. And I've been told by some people they hear some country in there as well. It's also <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't intentional, uh, but it's just been 
been inspired by different themes in my life from a musical perspective and then also from a substantive perspective. Like, Mm -hmm. I think the most important thing about this EP is that I wanted it to be authentic. Like, when I was a kid, I always wanted to make sure that if I was going to be a songwriter, that I was going to say something that was honest that and that was true. And I think that's what I found was the most important thing for me as a songwriter um, to embody. That was going to be my quote-unquote brand, just being honest and true to myself, whatever that looked like. And so the music is based on real experiences that I had or that I observed or lessons that I learned over the course of the last several years. And uh, what those lessons and stories have meant to me. And it was done in the hope that I would, you know, I'm creating music that I love and that I'm proud of. And then hopefully other people will, you know, it'll resonate with them as well. So one, I love that because I definitely think you're all over this like album, like you're all over it, which is lovely (laughs) to see. Um, I, I, so you said you wrote the man who sold the moon first and you wrote that seven years ago. Yes. December. I think it was like December 8th, 2013. Like I, I know know the day. The only reason I know the day is because and I've said this like a million times, but the man who sold the moon was inspired by me watching the animated movie, despicable me. The movie came out in 2010, but I'd never watched it. And I had a, friend of mine like one of my like closest friends from college visiting and um he was like let's watch a movie and i was thought sure why not what do you want to watch he recommended despicable me and i I, you know we're grown college graduates sure let's watch this animated kids movie by ourselves why not um and then so i remember the day that he was visiting and that we watched the movie and as we watched the movie that's when the main character, Grew, who was voiced by Steve Carell, announced to his minions, the minions that have since terrorized parents everywhere. Yes. Uh, <laughs> parents and like frat guys who <laughs> just think it's funny. Uh, but Grew said to his minions that he wanted to steal the moon out of the sky. And because it's an animated movie, he literally bent taking the moon out of the sky. And he wanted to be known far and wide as the man who stole the moon and that's when I turned to my friend literally in that moment and said that sounds like a song like it reminded me of Judy Garland's The Man That Got Away Mm -hmm. out of one of the original um film versions of A Star Is Born like pre uh pre Lady Gaga pre Barbra Streisand in like the 1940s or 30s version of A Star Is Born there was a song called The Man That Got Away and it's this really beautiful torch song about this man that broke the singer's heart and how he left her and everything. And so that really just kind of sparked my interest. And then my friend went home later and I went back to the piano or I went to the piano and I started playing um, around and I wrote half the song that day. And that was like after not having really written songs in almost a decade. So it was just like the most random moments of inspiration. I could not have planned it, but it really just inspired me to like try my hand at it again. So you like who inspired the song though? Because obviously it's not about Gru. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, if it is, like, do you? But, like, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm, assu- I'm assuming it's not about Gru. <laughs> fair, fair assumption, not incorrect. <laughs> Um, it's funny because you're not the first person to ask me that. And it's, it's also like a question that I, I foolishly didn't anticipate. Like I thought I would just release this music and be like, oh, that's nice. And then everyone's like, wait, who, who's this guy you're singing about? I was like, oh, you guys care? I didn't well, process. Well, it's I, not like you've released a ton of other music. It's not like it's like Taylor Swift and we can like point to, ah, she was dating so-and-so <laughs> at the time. So I know. it must be I him. At Taylor Swift, I was like giving my my try at Taylor Swift. So it's, so it's um, it's funny for that song and like the music as a whole. I I I will not lie. There are some like specific individuals I have thought about when I wrote the music. <laughs> I won't I won't you know be untruthful. <laughs> um, but I would have to say it's more experiences. 
like pulling mm-hmm. from like a culmination of various experiences that I've had when it comes to like dating and relationships and, and, and human beings in general. Um, like I specifically with the man who stole the moon, what I loved about the idea was that it was so overly dramatic and unabashedly so. Like, literally the premise is this idea of a woman calling out a man for stealing the moon out of the sky and taking birds and flowers and music and all these things that, you know, no one is physically putting in a backpack and running in a Mm. a getaway car with. But, um, yeah, I just, like, really leaned into fantasy and being, like, overly dramatic and, and it makes fun of itself in a way too because it's an upbeat song. Like, mm-hmm. you know, please Mr. Postman or Stop in the Name of Love or all these <laughs> other like heartbreak songs that are like played at birthday parties because they're so upbeat, but they're really like so depressing. Very sad. It's just yeah, it's just like oh, the most depressing song. Um, but they're like super or Papa fun. Don't preach, like just like yeah. a- <laughs> pa- Papa was a Rolling Stone, like that's like a jam. <laughs> it's a heartbreaking song. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so many songs that are just so um so heartbreaking but um so anyway so it really plays into itself and it pokes fun at itself that way but there's the dichotomy of it also still being honest and truthful and really pointing to how it feels when your heart gets broken or even just bruised a little bit like i like to tell people like my for being like completely completely broken but like it's definitely been bruised it's been through some like stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and when someone hurts you in a in a way that makes an impact it can feel like they've taken those things from you like it, it feels like can, they can take the moon this massive iconic symbol of love away and certain songs and the way you hear birds chirping and how, you know, summer nights and things and just those memories or those things are now sometimes tainted with memories of that person who hurt you. And it can take time to kind of get over that. Like, so for instance, that those are direct quotes of things that, you know, at times it's felt like, Oh, this has changed now that my, experience with this person has changed like there were certain songs I would think about and be like this makes me think of this person and I like cannot escape it and so now I can no longer just listen to this song independently now this song means this person Mm. even when I don't want it to um so I liked playing with that and leaning into that and so yeah there are definitely moments and specific experiences and things I would think about but it, it really is more tied to those feelings a culmination of those experiences and feelings all wrapped up in one and what it like feels like when you're going through that however that being said (laughs) (laughs) i i will say i had some fun putting together the animated music video Mm -hmm. for the man who's moon i got to work with some absolutely incredibly uh, incredible artists on it and it was a dream come true to like see myself animated into create an animated music video especially when the original inspiration was animated um and i enjoyed putting some easter eggs in the (laughs) video and some of them are very tame like you know there are 13 roses in there or like roses spread out to stand for my production company 13 roses um the character who's playing quote-unquote me has her hair wrapped when she's sleeping because i would not tell falsehoods like uh, Shonda Rhimes sometimes. Listen, <laughs> I don't lie. It is such a lie. Anytime I see a black woman without a bonnet or her hair wrapped in a movie, <laughs> I was like, "This is a lie. You are lying I, to America. This exactly. is falsehood." Or she don't take her wig off and put yep. it somewhere. Listen. Anyway, continue. I'm upset. I, honestly, I I made sure that was included for the sole reason <laughs> that I did not want people being like false. <laughs> Incorrect. Like, you wouldn't have a problem with the moon actually be taken out of the sky, but, like, fact checkers would be like, but her hair's unwrapped. Like, no, but it's, okay, but the tea is, like, that's true. I, like, <laughs> my roommates see me in my bonnet, like, it's it's bedtime. The bonnet, like, yeah. there's no... We're just, yeah, no, we're not wasting time with that. Um, so, anyway, so there were little Easter eggs like that, but I will also say there are maybe some clues as to specific people I have baby talked to if people look 
obviously, maybe somewhere potentially. Now, was the guy uh, drawn after someone in your life? (laughs) So, the the guy was actually, like, its own Easter egg, because um, in the song, when I wrote it, uh, in the bridge, I, like, described the guy. I said he's six foot two with eyes of blue, and so I knew, like, oh, if I ever do a music video for this, people, like, will probably assume this, like, blonde-haired guy, which, like, no offense, like, I, you know, blondes are beautiful and wonderful. Um, but <laughs> no offense to I, blondes. I don't think that's ever no. been a <laughs> Can that blondes be the title bl- of the episode? <laughs> no offense to blondes. Okay, continue. I, I love all hair colors equally. I am an equal <laughs> lover of hair colors. I want to make that very clear. However, A, I like the idea of subverting people's expectations. Like, they're going to, like, hear the song and imagine this tall, gorgeous, like, blonde guy, um, which I feel like is very much a stereotype. And then B, it gave me a chance to openly declare my all-consuming love for redheads and how (laughs) I, like, genuinely think redheads are beautiful. I would just like to take the time to say that the views of this podcast are the ones of the people that come on it, and I do neither endorse nor not endorse. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I I would like to formally announce to all redheads that I love you, that you, you are seen. You were beautiful. Like, no, you think I'm joking. Okay, I, this is embarrassing. Um, but why not? So, um, there's this redhead festival that's held annually in the Netherlands, and I, like, am dying to go. I'm truly concerned. They <laughs> don't know where admiration and fetishing begins or ends. <laughs> It's so, I just, I just generally think redheads are beautiful, um, and I have always thought so, and so I just always thought it was funny, because I feel like you just don't, you know, see redheads, like, portrayed as these, like, gorgeous, like, heartbreakers, and they should be, because they're, they're beautiful people, so it was just kind of a fun Easter egg for me, and my friend saw it, and we were like, yes, yeah, that's, that's that would fall off with <laughs> We said we were going to be authentic, and that is authentic. No, you know what? I'm here for it, girlfriend. You know, do you? I'm just here to share your story. I appreciate it. I will now be going to witness protection as people, like, shame me for being this heck and just, like, having all-consuming love for, like, a hair color. Um... But yeah, so it's not it's not based on a specific uh, person in terms of the characteristics. It's more it's more just a fantasy. Um, <laughs> I will say though, funnily, weirdly enough though, I'm I'm, gonna, I'm just getting really too honest. Um, <laughs> like maybe three weeks or something before the song was about to come out last year, I was in a gathering. I won't say where, <laughs> but I was at a place I go to regularly, <laughs> and. Um, I met this guy, and I kid you not, I had never met him before. He looked like the guy in the music video. Like, I literally just, like, was staring at him for a second. I was like, did I manifest you? Like, <laughs> He like, just sprouted I, up. I, 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 yeah, he just, I just, I remember seeing him. I was just like, why do you look familiar? Like, have I met you before? I was like, no, I've just been staring at you, and my music video is about to come out for months. Did you show him um, a picture so of the music video and, like... No, I know. I wish I should have, but I'll embarrassing. Like, <laughs> okay, I don't have to that. <laughs> um, so we can stop embarrassing you. I would like to say <laughs> that um, my, I think my favorite two songs... Out of five. Ooh, yes. Um, I do like the first one, Rock Steady. Um, yeah. at first I was like, so I was getting ready to, you know, listen, do my due diligence as a podcast host and be like, one, I gotta listen because, you know, Kemi. But like two, <laughs> I also this is 
kind of my job. So, and I saw Rocksteady. I was like, I thought she told me that there wasn't going to be any covers. I at first was like, oh, is she doing a cover of Rocksteady? And then I listened. And no, you weren't. But um, but it was a fun surprise for me. Um, I I really liked I really really liked that song. Um, I feel like it was like a great punch and a way to like just start off kind of the vibe and it very much like set the tone I feel like for the rest of the the songs and there's something like this is not a dig I just like I I wanted to listen to it on a record like in a record player. Oh, like yeah. I wanted to listen to the whole thing on a record player um it just like your your voice and the stylings and the way the songs are set up. It's just like this is from like a different time. This is like a different vibe. Um, and I have like this weird rule of mine that I do not like to buy music that would not have been on. Like when I buy records for my record player, I don't like to buy records yeah. of like recent things. Like I'm like I will only buy records that would have originally been on record but yours is something or like or like leon bridges is another one that i've like bought his record even though he's new but you guys just have that like that quality that it's like it's meant to it's meant to be old school but in the best way because you have you have like that that jazzy vibe to it especially with um oh goodness i don't want to mess it up with drinking poison, which is eight oh. minutes long. <laughs> and I was like, I saw the time and I was like, sis, why is this eight minutes? I was like, this is not, it's like, what are we doing? Long one. That's a long time. But there's like this break, I think around like five or six minutes where you're like, you stop and then you go back into it. And I'm like, that's like a very old kind of style, jazz style of doing things. And it yeah. has, you have like these, these breaks that you would do if you were in a jazz club in a song that just kind of like highlights the music, the background music, and just like lets you kind of feel like you're in, in the space. Yeah. So it's like, and I like that you kept that because it's very true to you. Because yes. I don't think I could see you doing like I don't know anything else. I don't know. It just it worked very well. And I I I'm trying to think about which one I liked more. If I liked Rock Steady or if I liked Drinking Poison more. I hate to lean toward Drinking Poison only because it's eight minutes long, and I still feel like that's a <laughs> foolish amount of time. But <laughs> but I really I just really liked it. I really really loved that that vibe. But I think like Rock Steady was just such a perfect way to start it yeah. to start it oh. off and set the tone. Do you have a favorite? Yeah. Oh that? my god. Well, it's always really hard to pick a favorite. It's funny because it feels like it, I mean I'm sure parents will disagree, but it's it genuinely feels like picking one of your children because you're just like, oh, I remember this one. I'm like, oh, but I forgot about how good it feels to sing this one. But oh, I love the harmonies in this one. So it really can depend. Uh, I will say that these five songs, like I have almost 300 songs or song ideas in my notes. <laughs> and so I had to pick like the five that I really wanted on a first EP. Um, and that was challenging. And so the five that I picked, like these are like my favorite songs that I've written so far. There are a couple of others that are not released yet and hopefully will be at some point um, soon in the future. But these five are definitely some of my favorites. I will say that um, the one that I am looking forward to performing live the most, it's all of them, but like the one that I'm really like desperate to play live with an audience is Drinking Poison. Because mm. that is like the one that like, that's the one that's just going to be a whole experience. Like, you know, when you go to a show and they play a song and you're like, look, we're going to sit here for about like 15 minutes, like get comfortable. Like we're like, we're just going to do everything. Like people are just going to go into crazy solos. We're going to do audience participation. We're going to have a dance. Like we're just going to do like throw literally the kitchen sink into this performance. And it's going to work because it's one of those 
songs that's flexible that can be made to be a lot of different things at once like something like rock steady that's definitely like you can play with that for sure and we definitely will um when we perform it live but it's a tight song like it's like it's it's like uh we're here to get something done and we're going to get it done and then we're going to move on. Like it's, But it's like, it's still interesting because like all of yours, all of the songs on the, on the EP are like four over four minutes. And yeah. so like, no, but I think when you compare to today, they're, you know, like a tight two two thirty is like usually yeah. <laughs> where most things are at, but no, but it works for you because it works for the style of music that you're doing. Like, it has it's that jazz vibe like that's why like i i feel like if i heard drinking poison at like a jazz club or like um there's this place in dc this church in dc that would do like jazz and blues on monday and friday nights and they would just sometimes you know like riff and i'm like that is where i feel it and like i'd be so into sitting there like if you sat me down for 15 minutes and let me tell you sometimes they sell a good catfish plate okay with some energy And if you just sat me, if if you just sat me on down with my catfish and my little mac and cheese and a nice biscuit, I would be set because you're just like vibing the whole time. And I, and that's what I love about because it reminds one, it makes me sad about the before times when we could do. You know the nostalgia though. I know. Because I just wrote it and suddenly now it's like oh. Because I've seen, because I've also seen you perform live. Yeah, is the thing. Which is awesome to have you there. It was, it was great. It was just, I mean, I'm like, that's my friend. I know her. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, and I just think your music just lends so much to that, so much to like that intimate jazz setting um, yeah. that I really love and like vibe with. And I'm, and yeah, I just, I can't wait till we can. Um, you know, be in the outside. Yeah. <laughs> and Because I think even, you know, like there's something with that music. It's like, I want to, I want to hear you in like a smoky club with like, you know. <laughs> That's like, it's so funny how, um, how consistent that commentary is because that's what so many people have said about my voice. That's what so many people have said about this music specifically. Like I talked to someone who heard drinking poison the other day and they said that they felt like they should be in like some long fancy gown with like an old school, like like, like, just like chilling and vibing. And I loved it. And it's, it's really one of the biggest compliments that I can get because it means once again, that I stayed true to myself, true to the music that I love. And that makes me happy because the, once again, that's the music I grew up listening to. Like I am so old school. Like I was a 13 year old that was geeking out over Aretha Franklin and, and Motown records while everyone else was listening to Spice Girls. And I love Spice (laughs) Girls too. I love modern pop music. I love contemporary stuff. Like as much as I love all this other stuff. I also love musical theater. I also love classical music. Like everything has a purpose in my life, but I like baked into the very depths of my bones is the soul music, the jazz music, the American classic songs that I grew up listening to through my parents, through school and just my general, you know, research and and love. And it just, it just fits. Like, you know, like you, you try on like a pair of jeans and like, they just fit no alterations. Like you don't, you could walk out the store and like, no one would notice except, you know, maybe the tag and security, (laughs) but like, (laughs) like they just fit so seamlessly on you that you're just like, I don't know why I wear anything else. And so it feels really fun to play with that. Um, It's really fun to interact with the musicians with that kind of music because it's all live. Like, yeah, they're, like, none of the instruments are, um, you know, through, like, are, are electronic. It's literally all live instruments. And that just lends itself to this comfort and this playfulness that I just, like, so thoroughly enjoy. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned Drinking Poison being eight minutes, because that's, like, almost like a little bit of an Easter egg for me. Um, but there are two reasons why it was going to be eight-something minutes long. Um <laughs> 
for people that sit through it, they'll find out that, like like you said, there's kind of a second iteration of Drinking Poison, and I call it Drinking Poison Reprise. And I always love the idea of doing reprises. Like, you have reprises in musical theater and, um, like, modern-day musicians and, like, contemporary, you know, musicians play with reprises all the time. And it's just a fun way to take a, a song you already played and, like, turn it on its head a little bit, like, mess around with it and just play with it. The first version of Drinking Poison is, like, bluesy and a little bit of rock or country, depending on how you view it. And then the second Drinking Poison reprise starts with, like, some funk. Yeah, like, yeah. They, like, get, like, a little playful. And that lends itself also to the meaning of the song as well. Like, the first Drinking Poison is saying, I have a grudge, I have this anger, and I feel it poisoning my system. The other, the person I'm angry at is living their life, but I'm feeling the negative effects of holding on to this anger. So I'm deciding to let it go. The reprise is acknowledging that that process is not seamless. That sometimes you're going to tell yourself, I'm done, I've let go of the grudge, and you end the song, and then you just get pissed off again, and you have to like remember why you're letting go. And, like it just it doesn't happen automatically. Like I just like so many and times. another thing. <laughs> yes, it, it's it's literally and another thing. Like and and one more thing. Um, and there's a song that I actually love by John Mayer that um, a Broadway performer, Audrey McDonald, covered. Um, My stupid thoughts, I think it is, where they literally they literally do that in the song. They end it and they're like one more thing, and she goes back into the song again. Um, and so I just loved playing with that. And then it also is it's very. Um, it's a kind of historic trend that was used in music a lot um, back in the day, which is, it's, it's essentially the concept of a hidden track. You mm-hmm. have a song that, you know, is on a record and it seems to end. And then you have these five, 10, 20 seconds of silence. And then another song starts up. And that used to happen because either people would have the back of the album cover printed with the song list and then you would add in another song and you didn't have time to reprint the song list so you'd just be like oh this, this is just like a, an extra that they'll find <laughs> um or for some people whenever there were like songs that were a bit risque or seemed to be a bit offensive they would get around like the censorship rules by putting the song on the album but not like having it written on the back so people wouldn't realize until once again they heard it so you'd be like oh 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 like <laughs> i didn't know that this was gonna happen <laughs> so i i love that like it's this fun surprise when you're listening to albums through especially because people don't tend to listen through eps and albums all the way through they listen to singles or playlists that are kind of spread out and so listening to an entire album or ep from the beginning to end people don't really do that and um, it was just a really fun idea to play with. So I was just like, yeah, we'll just, we'll see if the people, the real ones, well, I'll know who's real by whether or not they know about Drinky Poison Reprise, because that means they sat through the whole <laughs> song and didn't just be like, next, as soon as it was the first one. <laughs> well, I think, I think there is like this new trend, um, at least in the artists that I listen to that, and I think Beyonce does an incredible job of this, like, the album is a narrative. So you have to listen to it. I think like, uh, Kendrick Lamar's damn does this. You have, yeah. you have to listen to it. Um, at least the first time all the way through, like in order or, um, or four, 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 you have to do that. Like there's just like yeah. those albums that you have to listen to, to really understand. Cause like it's a concept it's a story yeah. and a concept and like i i mean obviously i love beyonce as everyone <laughs> knows um also pause can we just acknowledge that it took you this long to bring up beyonce because last time we tar- started the podcast talking about yeah. it <laughs> we, started- just, we just love her so much and i can already like i hear like my friend like jonathan like groaning in the background like if he listens to this episode <laughs> like i can already imagine him like I mean, I knew she was going to say it. Like, but, like, like I'm back that it took us this long to bring up Beyonce is But she does, and I think you really saw that with, um, I mean, you saw it with Formation, obviously, uh, not Formation, yeah. sorry, Lemonade. Um, yes, yeah. But I think you also really saw it with Black is King. 
and um, the visual piece that she put out. And I think like that just, it was, it was really taking you to through a story and how like the, the songs connected in her mind. And, um, and I think there is kind of this, like, I mean, Solange does that too. Like there's just like these, well, one, the Knowles family is absurd, but like, (laughs) 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 but there is like this thing of just like bringing, you know, a story out in the tracks. Um, and I think like, that's kind of what drinking poison is. It's just like, it's bringing us a full, a full story out. Um, did you have like a real intention with the order in which you put the songs or were you kind of like, is there, you know, (laughs) (laughs) here you go. Um, no, I actually really was super intentional about how I put the order of the songs together. First of all, And this is something people really don't tell you until you're releasing a compilation. But figuring out the order of your songs is actually a a science. Like, it's actually, you know, you you look at the first song and you're like, you know, ideally if someone doesn't listen to this on shuffle, this is going to be the first song they hear. Um, And this is going to be their introduction to the piece. And so what what is the impression? Like, what is this first impression that I want to give them? And especially when you're looking at my EP, which is the first compilation of original music that I have ever released, Mm -hmm. it really needs to say something. Like, who is this person? Who is this artist? What is this EP? What am I going to expect? What does she have to say? What does it sound like? Um, And so you really want to be careful about the first song. Same with the the very last song. What's the lasting impression that you want to leave on the listener? Like, what's the last message that they need to get from this experience and like the last notes and sounds they're going to hear, what is the hook that might be stuck in their head once they're done listening to this? And then the middle is also very strategic as well. And so I was very, very intentional with how I looked at ordering the songs on the EP. It's just the five songs, but it really has a story as you were saying before, the way I looked at it and the way I framed it is that, Rock Steady and In the Silence of Your Love, which is the last song on the EP, are two sides of the same coin. They talk about good love, love that you can rely on, love that you can, that reassures you, that protects you, that makes you feel good and supports you, love that's mutual. Like it talks about the the, the positives of love and when you find it. And it's not just romantic love. Like, In the Silence of Your Love was primarily written as a tribute to my family and my closest friends, to God, and then also to romantic love as well, but essentially the truest forms of love that are literally the, the, the being of who I am. But then that ties into Rock Steady as well, because Rock Steady starts off with, are you a leaf, are you a branch, or are you a root? Like, what kind of love are you giving me? How, how much can I rely on it? And in the silence of the love is written for the roots in my life. Mm. And so they're companion pieces together. And then you have the three songs in the middle that are talking about, well, what happens when that love doesn't work when it goes wrong? You know, it wasn't right when it's the song. It wasn't right. That speaks to what happens when the love should be right, but it's not the right fit. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work even though it's supposed to by all you know signs. And then the man who stole the moon talks about, well, you know, my heart got massively broken or this really, really didn't work and it's over and now I'm sad about it and I have to figure out how to move on. And then drinking poison is talking about, okay, I've been hurt. Okay, I have to work through this. I'm going to work through this. I'm going to let it go. And I like that it's right before in the silence of your love because a lot of the time you really do need to do the work to process previous experiences and emotions you're holding over grudges, anger, all that feeling to really appreciate the good love, whether it's the good love that's already in front of you or the good love that comes along after you've done that work. And so, yeah, it was really intentional. Rock steady is like making a pronouncement. Like this is the kind of love that I want and I will not settle for less. And then the three middle songs are like, well, what happens when things do go wrong and how you figure that out and you process the emotions from beginning to end. And then the, very last feeling and the sense that I want to leave for people is that appreciate the the best love in your life, the love that 
you don't need to you don't have to be showy about it doesn't have to be loud it doesn't have to be overly demonstrative like the best love in my life is the love that brings me at peace and brings me back to center and the love that I don't feel like I need to talk over or or do too much with like it, it just exists it just mm-hmm. is and nothing I do is going to shake that and that was the feeling I wanted to leave people with once they had heard the whole thing I like that and I think you really do get that sense from the album and like hearing you explain it like makes me want to then like go back again and just like really (laughs) take it in and like make sure I'm like fully picking up on everything I love when like artists like really explain their music because like I feel like (laughs) like the great Gatsby like we all had to read the great Gatsby in school (laughs) um I'm terrible sometimes at symbolism. Um, so, <laughs> like, I, like we're reading too much into this. The author was not thinking about this at all. But that's okay. what I'm saying. I was like, how do we know that yellow? <laughs> like, and so like, so, like, I have to, especially like with Solange. Like, I love her music, but then like she'll like explain, or like she she has to explain because. If you've ever listened to any of her music, she's, like, on her woo-woo. And, like, I can't always, I can't always woo-woo with her at the same pace. Like, you gotta give me a couple listens and then I'll, then I too. Yes. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, no, I think you explained that beautifully. And then it, like, makes me want to go back and, like, really kind of dig in and, like, be like, okay, this is what I missed, you know, the last time I listened. And this is what I'm picking up now. So you, you said that you, like, have, like, 300 songs, you know, or song ideas, and why just release five? Why not release, like, a full album? Why just, like, an EP? Yeah. It's funny because, um, it, it, once again, it's one of those things where when you're in the music world, you're so used to certain concepts, but for other people, it's just kind of like, oh, this is new. And so a lot of people who I've talked to don't even really know what an EP is. <laughs> They're like, I'm sorry, what does this mean exactly? <laughs> Um, and so for those who don't know, an EP stands for extended play. And that is, um, essentially a compilation of music that is released that consists of five to six songs or less. Um, so it tends to just be a small, like a baby album versus the traditional album, also known as an LP or, um, long play, I believe that tends to be seven plus songs. So those are like the albums that you, you know, you and I used to listen to as kids where it's just like 10, 12, 20 songs all in one CD or two CDs. Um, In recent years, and by recent, I mean probably within like the last decade or so, within the music industry became really popular to release EPs instead of albums. And their reason for that, well, there are multiple reasons for that. One it's cheaper to produce an EP. That's just the truth. You're, you're producing fewer songs. So you're in the studio less, you're paying for less time for musicians. You don't have to do as much engineering because there are fewer songs. And so it's just, if you're trying to get a project out, but you have a limited budget, you, you know, an EP allows you to still release music without going bankrupt, trying to produce this massive album that would be really expensive. Um, it also, from from a marketing perspective, is actually just a really great way to introduce uh, yourself as an artist to audiences. Because realistically, nowadays people have very short attention spans, and you're you're rarely going to have audience members who will commit to listening to a seven, ten plus song album for an artist that they don't know. If it's Beyonce, yeah, they'll listen to 30 songs in a row and, like, love it. Like, <laughs> like, continuing with the theme, if Beyonce does anything, people will sit and watch. Like, that's not, that's not hard. Um, but realistically, like, if you don't, like, if you're still working on building your audience, or even um, for a lot of artists, if they're in between albums and, like, they want to keep their audience entertained, but they know they don't have enough material to produce a full album, an EP is a great way to do that. People are more likely to want to listen to something if they're like, oh, this is, like, a tight 25 minutes? Cool. Like, I'll, you know, when we used to drive to work, like, I'll listen to this on my way to work, or while I'm washing the dishes or, you know, doing laundry, like I'll just have this in the background. 
Um, and then the hope is that they get intrigued and want to learn more. And so what people often do is that they'll release one EP, maybe even two, and then pursue a full-length album uh, once they know that there's an audience there that's, that wants it. I mean, that's the whole kind of like a startup model or the whole entrepreneurship model where people always warn you, don't build things too big when you're not even sure an audience is going to be there it's for right it. There. Like, you know, like make your music just for you. And frankly, like if no one ever heard this music, I would still be like really happy that I made it because I made it for myself as well. I really hope everyone listens to it. Please go stream it for, <laughs> or purchase it for the record. EP. Um, but like you can make your music for yourself, but if you're trying to like be a working musician who like, gets paid for your work, you know, an EP is a really nice way to tease your art and your work and introduce yourself to the world without making the full investment of not just money, but time in making a full length album. So the hope and the prayer is that I release this EP. It does well. Maybe I release the second EP. Maybe it's even a companion piece of the first EP to make a like full album. And then by the grace of God, after that, a full length feature album with music videos available for you on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's true, because, like, there's so many artists. I'm really weird about how I find new music. I am a Shazammer like no other. Um, And, like, I'll be, like, in somewhere, and I hear, like, a beat drop. I'm like, ooh, and then I get out my Shazam. Um, And and that's how I find it. And then I'll, like, find out that these people have only EPs out, but I was like, but also, haven't you been out for, like, 60 years? Like, Chance the Rapper messed me up with that, because, like, Birthday was, like, his first album. I was like, but Chance, I saw you in concert, like, three years ago, so I don't understand. But, like, um, so people have been messing me up with that, so I'm, like, I'm definitely seeing that as, like, more of, like, a a trend, is, like, have people out there um, having these smaller releases, so they have some music, but it's kind yeah. of, like, non-committal. Not that you're not committed, but it's, like... No. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's a nice... It's, like, dipping your toe in to make sure that, like, people, you know, once again... I mean, the, the thing about it is, like, I say this a billion times over, but it took seven years to produce just the CP. Yeah. Like, it took a really long time. And if you think about your favorite artist, like, how many times do people say, like, where's the music? It's been five years since you released anything. Like, can we get something Rihanna I was about to say Adele Adele may be coming out I love that everybody listen Rihanna's not gonna release the album we just all gotta just I've listen what she what she gives me I'm grateful for she gave us Savage Fenty she gave us Fenty she's giving us skin listen (laughs) Rihanna's generous she is exactly she has been very benevolent I feel like we should just thank her for her blessings there you go. <laughs> um, and I even think today is like what the seven year anniversary of Anti or something. I feel like someone posted that today. So. Is it? I just think like because she said she was gonna give like an album by the end of the year, and then like here we are, twenty twenty one. End of whose year, Rihanna? <laughs> was it ours or yours? <laughs> I, listen, she's she is a business woman. Okay, so Rihanna, Gosh. do what you want. We waiting for you, boo. We'll be here. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so like you think about all those artists, and so it's really easy in our end as audience members to say like, "Hey, I want my music now." Thank you, but like, it takes a lot of work to produce music, and it takes mm-hmm. a lot of work to produce original music. Um, whether you're operating at like the mega fame level and you're dealing with you know um, multiple people, but also like as yourself, like even or not as yourself as a as someone who has not yet hit mega fame, like, you know, like for this EP, I had to write the song and that took several years. Um, a for inspiration to strike and B just cause I was busy doing other things. I mean, guys, also, um, if we haven't mentioned, she's also a lawyer. Like, I don't just like on top of her running like two businesses. She's also a lawyer. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, <laughs> you girls booked busy and blessed. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah so I was busy doing other things but even still even after like the songs were mostly finished writing producing this EP started about like three years ago and that took arranging the music that took 
finding team members. Like I said, like there are about almost almost up to twenty people who work on this EP in some capacity, and so it took time to find those people and build relationships with them mm-hmm. to find the musicians to play them arrange the music figure out the concept then there's marketing the artwork i did a session for this literally a year ago like like the intricate <laughs> something that's still as small as an ep is insane and people just have no idea and so like of course i really would have loved to release music before this and i wish it was a faster process but it really it really takes time especially if you want to do it right mm-hmm. for, for as long as it took. And sometimes it really felt like it would never happen, <laughs> but as long as it took, I wouldn't change the journey one bit because every, every last bit of it, even the parts of the process that would be struck, you know, frustrating and where I was struggling and where my heart was near broken, trying to figure <laughs> things out. It, I, I'm so happy with how the music came out. Like, it had to happen the way it happened. I had to go through the experiences that inspired the EP for me to, like, then write the songs. I had to meet the people. You know, I, I, I waited my whole life to work with professional musicians who I could collaborate with on an ongoing basis and who inspired me and vice versa. And the people who have played on this EP are just unreal. Like, they're so good. They're so talented and inventive and smart and powerful in their talent and their attention and their ingenuity and just caring people who are also really good friends and I took the time to build relationships with and you can feel that in the EP like we had such a comfort with each other that when we were in the studio that translated into the music and it's it's really quite a um leap of faith to trust someone with your music because what it is is you know, these songs come to you in the middle of the night when you're by yourself and no one else can hear them. Like, this is the, when this music comes out, it'll be the first time the world has heard music that I've heard that vividly in my head for seven years. Mm. And for that time, it was by myself. Like, it is actually really isolating and difficult to hear music that vividly in your hair or head or, you know, a book or an art piece, whatever it is, and no one else can hear it or see it. And then you have these people that like hear it too. And you're like, Oh wait, Oh my God, you can hear this. And you can, you, you feel it. Like I feel it. And then you trust them enough to take it and to make it real. Like they're like, I believe in this vision that originated in you enough to take it on myself and contribute what I can to bring it to real life. So other people can hear it. And so that's such a, that's such a big ask for people um, to really do and, every single person involved in this project has done so so beautifully. And I'm just so endlessly grateful to them. I won't talk about it anymore because I'll get emotional, but (laughs) you know, it's, (laughs) it really like, I'm so thankful and Mm -hmm. feel so amazingly blessed for Mm -hmm. how this process went because you know, it, it brought us to where we are today. And I'm just so, I'm so happy. I, Kevin, what a dream, what a treat. (laughs) We are, I'm trying to like be better about time this season with my podcast. So we are at an hour. Um, as I always uh, ask all my guests, so I know I'm so fast cause you're such a treat. Um, as I ask yeah. all my guests, you know, how do you define being a woman or womanhood your second time around on the more than a pretty face podcast? Oh, wow. I remember having trouble with this question the first time. People always, I was like, guys, listen to an episode. I asked it every single episode. (laughs) I know, I know. I remember, I remember the first time. Um, And I I don't, I don't know if this was my answer last time. Um, Or it might have been. Long story short, I think for me... I've never been able to quite define it. I think that really it depends person to person because people are they're so different. But I know that I've always loved being a woman. Like I, I'm, I'm not sure that answers the question. It, it definitely doesn't by any of my law school standards. But um, <laughs> I, I love the femininity. I love the gentleness. I love the intuition. 
I love the emotion, the expression. I love the absolute strength, which is just so unreal and breathtaking and so natural. Like, especially, you know, as I've been getting older and I see my friends becoming mothers and, you know, building households and homes, or even just, you know, as I, you know, become older and, and see my mother through a new light because I'm more aware of all the work and the, the, the um, care and the focus that she, like, embedded and infused into our lives, you just are so taken aback by the strength and the, the natural beauty in that. Um, it's just there's strength, there's intelligence, um, there's humor. Like, so much about being a woman is hysterical. Like, it's ridiculous at times. <laughs> like, just, like, unreal sometimes how ridiculous being a woman can be. Um, whether you're talking about, like, the natural way, like, women are designed or just how we move throughout the world, like, it's, it's really just ridiculous, um, in the, in the best ways, and, yeah, I just, I just love every aspect of it, like, I, I know, you know, growing up, people would always say, like, oh, if you could have been born a man, would you have done it, and my answer has always been no, like, (laughs) I'm really so satisfied in being a woman, because I feel like there's just so much beauty in it and I feel like there's so much beauty that I still get to experience by the grace of God you know you know in the years to come like there's just so many aspects of it you get to still explore and play Mm -hmm. with and figure out and learn from and um yeah so my non-answer is that I can't tell you exactly what being a woman is but I know that I've always loved being it and um will continue to do so oh Jimmy I love it. I love you. I love the EP. I'm like so glad you are on here to talk about it. I'm so glad you were the first episode of season four. Like what a perfect way to start off. Um, do you have anything to promote? I know that feels like a silly question because we just spent this time talking about an entire project that you just released. No, I have nothing at all. I'm really, I'm really, uh, just chilling on Netflix. Um, no, I, (laughs) Um, well, first of all, my EP, by the time this episode comes out, my EP will be available for streaming, for purchase, for sync licensing, for all the things, (laughs) ringtones, ringtones, (laughs) telegrams, I really hope someone makes your song, I really hope they make Drinking Poison, their ringtone, and lets it continue for the eight minutes. Ah, Yes. Literally just let it ring just to hear the whole song. Um, oh my god. But yes, my EP for the record EP will be out on all platforms available everywhere. Um my music the single that from the EP The Man Who Sold the Moon is currently out now. There is an animated music video that you should check out that's on YouTube under my production company, 13 Roses Productions. Um oh, 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 and the big one. Uh, we are having a release show live streamed live on February 26th, um, 8 p.m. EST, Eastern Standard Time. It will be available online for people to watch. You can buy tickets at the link in my bio and my Instagram or on my website. Um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a crazy show. I'm so excited. It's a full live band, six people, five cameras, lights in a black box. It's going to be filmed at the same exact studio where we recorded the music, and it's being produced by um, SNRG, which is this great group in the area that produces uh, events like this to support and promote artists. It's just, oh my god, I'm, once, I've been dreaming about this moment for my whole life, and I'm so excited, I'm levitating. Like, I'm so uh, excited! I mean, all of that will be linked in the show notes. I wish, like, I'm thinking this whole time I want to be, like, a late-night talk show host when they, like, flip up the album cover. Yeah. And they're just like, get it on, you know? Um, but we cannot do that because I am not a talk show host. I have a face for radio. And uh, Will <laughs> Sunday soon we claim it, and I claim first season. Oh, not my goodness. Show, but at least first season. First season when I have my own talk show? Oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Love it. Uh, but all of that will be linked in the show notes for the record EP it will be out by the time this episode drops 
Um, so it'll be a little post press, which I'm really excited about. In the meantime, in between time, thank you all for listening. Welcome back for season four. I'm I'm so jazzed. We have an awesome um, lineup for this season. I'm really excited. Um, I also host another podcast called the Lead Graph Podcast, um, and that is also available everywhere. Thank you. Um, I talk about underrepresented stories that are coming out. That's that's a little more wonky um, for my more journalism side than my Beyonce side. And uh, I will also link that. Um, episodes drop every other Monday. Uh, please follow More Than a Pretty Face on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3. Connect with the show on Facebook. Go ahead and like us at More Than a Pretty Face. If you'd like to connect with me, email the show at PrettyFaceWomen at MTAPFpodcast.com. And Kemi, thank you again so much. And thank you. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.